long, grueling tendrils drift through the night sky. They come towards you, filling you to the brim with fear. You see the visage of a tall man staring down at you, a blank expression on his pale, white, emotionless face. He bore no eyes, no nose, no mouth, no ears, no features whatsoever, yet you still know his intent. He wants to kill you. But if you travel around this forest equipped with your flashlight and the stamina to run away from such a figure, you should be just fine. Collect eight pages and escape with your life. If you don't know what I'm talking about by now, then let me clue you in. The tall, emotionless figure is known as Slenderman. He's a pop culture sensation from the early to mid-2010s. He's a tall man obsessed with defending pages scattered throughout random areas. The following story is about mental health and how unchecked mental health issues can lead to pain for everyone. I'm Noah Martin, your ever-present narrator, and you're listening to Retrospection Radio. He was created in 2009 by Victor Serge, real name Eric Knudsen, a user of the Something Awful Internet Forum. He had entered into a Photoshop contest in which contestants needed to create paranormal images. Knudsen crafted two black and white images. Both featured a group of children and both featured a tall, slender, and spectral man wearing a black suit. Both photos had captions, and those captions are, We didn't want to go. We didn't want to kill them. But its persistent silence and outstretched arms horrified and comforted us at the same time. 1983, photographer unknown, presumed dead. And this is the quote underneath the second photograph. One of the two recovered photographs from the Sterling City Library blaze notable for being taken the day which 14 children vanished and for what is referred to as the slender man deformity cited as film defects by official fire at library occurred one week later actual photograph confiscated as evidence 1986 photographer mary thomas missing since june 13th 1986 The Slender Man had been born, and within days he was being featured in the web series Marble Hornets by Troy Wagner. Stories and pictures of Slender Man were starting to pop up all across the internet. Video games came out including the hit Slender the Eight Pages, which had over 2 million downloads in the first week of launch. A Kickstarter for a Slender Man game would meet over $10,000 and eventually be released to the public. Eric Knudsen 
had created an overnight sensation. For multiple years, the Slenderman crafted a community that had adoring and caring fans. They would create content, videos, games, and even lore to describe the hows and whys of the Slenderman. But things would change a few years into the craze when blood was spilled. It's 2014. The Winter Olympics were going to be held in Russia, and the Ebola epidemic would go on to infect over 28,000 people. In the United States, minimum wage was increasing, and the landmark case, Obgerfell v. Hodges, the case which legalized same-sex marriage, was to be held the next year. I bet you thought I was about to say 2014. As of the time of recording this, it has been less than seven years since same-sex marriage was legalized in the United States. Let that sink in. Alright, back to the story. We're in Waukesha, Wisconsin, on May 31st, 2014. Three girls, Anissa Weyer, Morgan Geyser, and Peyton Lutner, are playing a game of hide-and-seek at David's Park. It's a wooded park in Wisconsin and a nice place to be. Anissa Wire and Morgan Geyser had been consuming content, including Slenderman, for a while. Their mental sanities were beginning to fail, and they devised a devious plan. During hide-and-seek, Wire and Geyser would sacrifice Peyton Littner to Slenderman. They grabbed Peyton and stabbed her 19 times in the arms, legs, and torso. Two of her wounds were to major organs, and another of her wounds missed a major artery to her heart by less than a millimeter. She was impaled through her diaphragm, liver, and stomach. Lutner lay bleeding out, dying, and the two perpetrators left, claiming to get help, but having no intention of alerting anyone. Lutner realized this and dragged herself to a nearby road. She lay, soaking in her own blood, until she was found by a cyclist and brought to the hospital. Wire and Geyser traveled nearly five miles from the scene of the crime to I-94. They stopped by Steinhoffel's furniture store, carrying the knife they used to stab Lutner in their bags. A few moments later, police arrived on the scene and apprehended the two 12-year-old girls. Seven days later, Littner would leave the hospital and return to school that September. The girls were apprehended, and Littner would stay silent about her story until 2019, where she spoke to ABC News. The article is linked in the description. It's well worth a read. Peyton didn't ask for this, and she would eventually go on to reclaim the story as her own, spending a large portion of her life trying to recover from the scars both psychologically and physically, brought about by her two friends. Wire and Geyser, however, have been on their own path to recovering.
Anissa Wire and Morgan Geyser were questioned by the authorities. They claimed they had planned to commit murder as a first step to becoming proxies for the Slenderman, having read about how proxies work. Fun fact, Marble Hornets, that series I mentioned earlier, yeah, it was the first series to create the concept of Slenderman's proxies. Proxies were people influenced by Slenderman to do his bidding. Most depictions of proxies saw them crazed and murderous, but later depictions saw a more even balance between the Hannibal Lecters and the Psychos. Both girls stated they were afraid that Slenderman would kill their families if they did not kill Lutner. And the trial was sent to begin in 2014. Wire and Geyser were charged and sentenced to stand trial. Geyser was charged with attempted first-degree homicide, a Class A felony, and Wire was charged with attempted second-degree homicide, a Class B felony. Both Wire and Geyser's mental states came into question after one of the girls claimed Slenderman was watching her, reading her mind, and teleporting around. This may sound silly to you, but keep in mind these were impressionable 12-year-old girls. Not only is your mind not fully developed when you're 12, but mental illness likely hasn't been diagnosed yet. And such was the case for both girls, as on August 1st, 2014, they were found incompetent to stand trial and their cases were suspended until their mental conditions improved. By the end of 2014, a judge ruled that both girls were competent enough to stand trial and that they would be tried as adults. Wire, now 15 in 2017, pleaded guilty to being a party to attempted second-degree homicide. Though she claimed her actions were not taken through insanity, prosecutors and Wire herself would admit that, though she knew what she was doing was wrong, she was mentally ill during the attack. On December 21, 2017, Wire, now 16, four years older than she was during the night of the assault, was to be institutionalized for 25 years from the date of the crime, keeping Wire institutionalized until she was 37. On September 25, 2017, just a few months prior, Morgan Geyser had pleaded guilty to attempting to commit first-degree homicide. For two years, Geyser had been staying and rehabilitating in a mental hospital. There, she would remain for at least three years. Nearly four months later, Geyser was sentenced to 40 years in a Wisconsin mental hospital. 40 years is the maximum sentence legally allowed. Geyser would later be diagnosed with schizophrenia, a condition from which her father also suffered. For a number of years, Geyser appealed to the Court of Appeals. Each appeal had been struck down, the latest of which was merely a number of months before her 19th birthday in 2022. In March 10, 2021, Wire, now 19, submitted a letter to the court stating her regret and showing her change in character. She wrote, I hate my actions, but through countless hours of therapy, I no longer hate myself for them. On September 13, 2021, Wire was released with multiple stipulations, including 24-hour GPS monitoring, 
monitored internet usage, and no forms of social media allowed. Weyer would be required to take medication and be escorted to counseling sessions by a caseworker. And so, the Slenderman stabbing had ended and everyone got their just rewards, right? There's something else I want to go over, something that I don't think is fair, and it's a question I don't really know the answer to. But this case, these girls, they bring up the question. If you do something when you're mentally ill, before any diagnosis, at a young age, should you live the entirety of your life suffering for it? Don't get me wrong, Wire and Geyser are the bad guys. Lutner is the victim, and she shouldn't have to worry about Wire and Geyser coming after her again. But Wire and Geyser would both be diagnosed with mental health issues. At the age of 12, do you really think they knew their Miranda rights? If you talk to the police while mentally ill, is it legal for those police to not waive what you said as questionable? Geyser appealed multiple times under the fact that she was 12 mentally ill and couldn't comprehend what Miranda rights even were. She would then be tried as an adult and sentenced to 40 years, or until the age of 53. Is it fair that the government can lock away a 12-year-old girl until she's 53 years old? That's over half of her life gone, and for an action she did while mentally ill, within the first 12 years of her life. I'm not saying Lutner isn't the victim, or that her feelings aren't valid. I'm not saying Geyser and Wire are innocent. They're clearly the perpetrators. I don't know the answer to my question. I don't think it's fair, but I'm also conflicted, as a third party, on the fairness to all three girls. I'm going to leave you off with a scenario, and a question. Think back to when you were 12, 10, 8. The age doesn't really matter, as long as it's before you're a legal adult. Now think about who you are now, and where you are in life. What's different between your current self and your younger self? Are you smarter, more aware, more capable, more competent? What's your mental state? Was there something you did when you were 12-ish and regret? What have you learned from it? What has changed since then? Now imagine going to prison the rest of your life for that action you did, never getting to meet you, never getting to meet your lover or have kids or graduate college or whatever walk of life you're in right now. And you wouldn't get to live that life until you start menopause and getting heart issues and balding and getting wrinkly. Your entire life has been wasted away over one single choice when you made when you weren't even sound of mind. Is it morally right 
to keep someone from living their life because of mental illness? And if so, who should be the judge of that? I am Noah Martin, your ever-present narrator. Thank you for listening to tonight's episode on The Slender Man. If you liked it, feel free to listen to any of our podcasts at www.retrospectionradio.com. You can donate to us at our Ko-fi, which is linked in the description, if you want to hear more content like this. If not, please feel free to like us on your favorite podcatcher and leave a comment or review. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit. You will find our links in the bio of this episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.